Hello, my name is Callum Baird, I'm the editor of The National and welcome to a special edition of The National Politics Podcast. Actually, it's not a politics podcast at all, it's something a wee bit different. And we're doing this because there is a BBC documentary which is coming out, which is about The National and about The Herald. And uh, BBC cameras were in the newsroom with us for about six months while we were covering Brexit. And I am joined today by Sarah Hout, who is the filmmaker behind that and who basically spent six, seven months in our newsroom watching us cover those stories, watching us put out the papers. Um, And we're just going to have a wee chat about that documentary today. It's on, I should say this first, yeah, it's on next Wednesday, Wednesday the 18th of September at nine o'clock on BBC One. You've probably seen some of the previews. My mum texted me the other day. Um, saying, you know, oh my god, my dad jumped out of his chair when he saw you in the in the, in the little trailer for it. It's, I think it was like after the one show, so it's it's being promoted quite far and wide. Yeah, I just saw the trailer this morning, and you are in it. I think. Yeah, briefly, I am in it. Briefly. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. short, but you're there. Yeah, um, and I've seen the documentary as well. I should say uh, we've got a preview of it, so uh, I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> or else we wouldn't be doing this. We'd just be trying to <laughs> trying to bury Never the whole be thing. Talking to yeah, me ever yeah again. exactly. I'm glad that's not the case. So uh, why don't we just kind of start from from the beginning then? So what? How, how did it come about? Was it your idea? Was it our idea? It wasn't our idea, but it was my idea. Yeah. Um, I saw a fantastic documentary about newspapers mm. called The Fourth Estate about the New York Times and fleetingly thought to myself, why could we not do that here? The newspaper industry is in the state it's in throughout the world. It's a global issue. Um, and I collaborate and work a lot with Maurice Smith, who used to work here, as you will know. He's a former mm. columnist, a former, former journalist at The Herald. And I said to him one day, you know, could we approach The Herald? Could we approach Herald Times National and, and ask them? do you think they'd be open to having an observational documentary made? There'd been Documentaries have been made about newspapers in Scotland, but more historical, and that wasn't was what a, we wanted to do. There was a Scotsman one, wasn't there, to celebrate 200, 200 years yes. last year? But it's not the same thing at all. Wonderful it's, documentary made yeah. by my husband, yeah. as it happens. Is that right? Yes. Um, <laughs> but a different tone. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We, we wanted to show what it was like to work at a newspaper mm. now, at a time when we all know it's, it's pretty difficult. Mm. Um, and so Morris approached Donald Martin, the editor-in-chief, here and there was I think to begin with it wasn't the right time and then eventually it became clear I think Richard Walker, editor of the Sunday National became involved um, when the Sunday Herald was closing and it seemed like a chapter was beginning with the two new Sundays and so we speculatively as you will remember came in that weekend when you launched the Sundays and that was just off our own back, we just decided to come in because Donald and yourself and Richard Mm. had, had thought that that would be a good idea came in with the camera and just to see what it was like and uh, then on the Monday we pitched it at the BBC and never in my life before have I known anything to be commissioned so quickly amazingly it worked why do you think that is? Um, when we pitched it to the commissioners I think they sort of looked me in the eye and said, is this really going to be proper access? Because I think observational yeah. documentaries, they just don't work if it's not proper access. And I was so impassioned by what I'd seen over the weekend that I wasn't rehearsed at all. I just kind of blurted out, yes, absolutely, it's going to be brilliant. The people are, are prepared to be honest with us, people there. And I, I when I came in the first hour, I thought there is no way this will work. A room full of cynical journalists they're not going to open up to me. But actually, very quickly, people were very honest. Mm -hmm. And it was apparent that... It's often the case that if people are busy and they have a focus, they forget about you quite quickly. Mm. They forget the camera's there. And I do... It was very memorable that... I remember Andy Clark, the assistant editor of The Herald on Sunday, 
just being focused and but but also brilliantly able to turn to me and tell me what he was doing but just get on with it mm. and if somebody's able to carry on that task that is interesting to a viewer and is able to sort of articulate a little bit about what it is at the same time then you know that's that's half the battle so the bbc went for it went they for went it for it quickly. yeah i yeah. suppose the cynic in me might say that the bbc loves a story about declining newspapers because they're they're rivals in some way in terms of in terms of news gathering and news reporting but i I mean, I, I suppose I said we know that newspapers are where they are. I, I genuinely think that in the factual... I mean, news and factual mm. are very different beasts. I don't work in news. I know you have your opinions about the BBC News. I'm not going to go there. But the factual side of things is all all about who the people are. It's all about um, are the people in that room interesting is their job something that we genu- insightful are we going to see something we've never seen before and i felt we were i learned loads that weekend and as a filmmaker you always have to remember what you learn on the day the first day because i'd never been in a newspaper in a print newsroom before it's very different from a tv newsroom or a tv production office there's similarities obviously but um it felt insightful and it felt different and i feel i learned a lot what surprised you um what was it? Was it what you expected? It wasn't what you expected. Was it fewer people? Was it? Was well, funnily enough, I suppose I didn't have that expectation. So I really didn't have expectations. Mm-hmm. The expectation I had, my approach was, what? Well, Brexit was was in the mix, right? Yeah. So the idea was it's six months to Brexit, as you know, we we intended to stay till Brexit Day, which we did, but it wasn't Brexit Day, obviously. Um, fewer people did not enter my head at that point that I didn't have that frame of reference really Morris who obviously he came with me some mm. of the time over that weekend and for him he said there are many fewer people than mm. there once was but for me there was no hinterland there was no yeah. I've never seen it like that and, before and I'm interested in how readers will pick up on that because there are some shots where you are you know you're probably standing on a table or something and you're looking down the whole newsroom mm-hmm. And it, it's quite impressive still, I think. And it, there are quite a few people there. Mm-hmm. And I know it's it's not like there's just two or three people putting out a paper. There are, there are a lot of people in this newsroom. But obviously, people here remember it um, like it was 10, 20 years ago when there was there were so many people. Um, but obviously, technology's allowed us to do things quicker and, and better and easier than it was was done then. So Yeah, I mean, other journalists, other print journalists say, yeah. gosh, there's not many people left. Mm-hmm. Um, for me... Yeah, it's, it's just a, a room full of people. So so yeah. where's the frame of reference? But we do, obviously, the testimony is such that people who worked at the Evening Times all those years ago, you know, Andy Clark started his career there, various other people to- told us about what it had been like. And really, if you're trying to chart a, a little bit of, of background of, of what something's like, then that, that all came out gradually, I suppose. But I had no real expectation about how many people it took to do the job. There's There's... Three kind of stories, I think, going through the documentary. So there's obviously Brexit. It's the the kind of six months to go. You follow us as we do our front pages. As as the the older, funny enough, actually, we're sitting last week, um, and there's not been much Brexit stuff going on in the summer, and probably not since you left. There hasn't been a lot. And Kathleen, Andrew, and I, our two reporters, were sitting there and we're right, right. It's half nine. How are we going to do this? And it did feel that like there was something missing, which was your cameras. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it was interesting. But sorry, so there's that that story going through it. But there's also the 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 tension, I would say, between digital and print, and Mm -hmm. trying the and the journalist trying to get the balance there. And then the third thing is is more in the second episode is 
uh, how the newsroom copes with downsizing and uh, savings being made in the company and people leaving. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, how difficult was it to balance those those three stories? And was it was it one that you thought you would focus on and then you you didn't in the final cut? Most of those decisions obviously get made in the edit because yeah. when you're there in the moment, it's hard to know what will take precedence. I think I always thought that Brexit would loom larger than it did, mm. but that's because of the nature of the story. It's the intention was to see it through to completion, and we thought you know every little sort of chunk of that you can't you can't predict where it's going to go and for example mike settle in london and the herald we you know we couldn't get access to the house of commons for a very long time and but with your team we were out straight away at the snp conference so that was that was a really nice and it kicked us off in the in the realm of politics very quickly but it becomes unless you get something different that can become a bit samey and really we can't. We couldn't feel like the news. We didn't want to feel like the news. The news had to be in the background, mm. and the people and their stories had to be in the foreground. And the digital and the cuts that were happening were the things that were affecting people's day to day lives and and affecting how how the papers are made. I suppose so. That's that's what's unique. Brexit. There's lots of documentaries around about Brexit, so it couldn't be about Brexit. Mm. Brexit had to be in the background. It's about the people who are who are putting together these stories. I yeah. think. I think. I think. Personally, I feel that that everybody comes across really kind of sympathetic and really kind of human, and mm-hmm. and uh, a, a bunch of people doing a, a pretty good job under difficult circumstances. And, and I diff- think that- I, yeah, it's a hard. I mean, it's no mistake. There, I mm. think part of when we were here. I mean, the one thing I, I hadn't thought about was the hours that you work. It's so. Um, unbelievably anti-social hours you know had I thought about this before I pitched it you had to do that as well yeah exactly I mean you know this idea of getting off stone at a certain time of night you know when I found out what time of night that was I thought what was I thinking you know (laughs) I'd got a four year or five year old child he was four at the time you know no matter what you're here till late at night and that's not much fun yeah and I think the I think when when readers get to see it and get to watch it they'll, they'll see how high the production values are and how how I mean it really feels that there has been a lot of resource and a lot of uh, you know care put into it um, I, I actually thought that I was going to cringe the whole time watching me um, <laughs> but instead I'm like oh that's a cool shot of me <laughs> you know? Brilliant. which I think speaks to yeah, you yeah, know yeah. how well it's filmed and the graphics and, and all that kind of stuff are, are really really kind of really kind of top notch yeah well um, when we pitched it we wanted to make sure we had time a time is the thing that's crucial to making a good documentary it's mm. the difference between you know if you're rushed and if we'd only been here for a few days and we'd had a short edit it would, we wouldn't have achieved the, pro- the end product in the mm-hmm. same way obviously um, and that's testament to the fact that you all let us stay that long as well, obviously. It's 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 kind of it's difficult, I think, for us as journalists. And I've only really spoken to people who I mean, my wife watched that actually the other night, but but generally, I've only speaking to people who are in the industry who've seen it so far. And I think it's hard for us to take that step back and and, and think to ourselves, well, how is the reader going to to view this? I mean, how how do you think somebody who who doesn't know how newspapers work? What what is their reaction going to be? Because it really is to me, it's a it's a sort of level of access that that I certainly haven't seen before in the in the Scottish media. There's a sort of uh, kind of intimacy and closeness to it. What, what, what do you think that that, that pe- the average kind of person is going to think when they see this? What's the what's their initial reaction? I, I be? mean, I think on a human level, it is enormously impressive what is possible to do in twenty four hours. I yeah. mean, it, you know, and a story breaks and you all 
have a product at the end of that, in spite of the street and circumstances and the budgets and so on, the creativity that goes goes into a newspaper every day is astonishing. And and then at that moment, at ten o'clock for you and a half ten for the Herald or later during yeah. the week, whatever time it is, it, it's done. And that I think for a reader, I always think of my um, my well, my dad or my my in laws. Of I'm afraid that the older people who who regularly read papers, I think they'll be absolutely fascinated to find to. Find out how all these things get pulled together. How the photographer brings in the photographs. How somebody finalises a bit of copy, and you know, talking to someone. And, and I think you know, having people outside the office is really interesting too, and seeing how they all feed into into the paper. I think all of all of that, and the little graphics that we've done with you know, the language. The language struck me early on. I quite I liked learning about you know. Yeah. What, I didn't know what a splash mm. was. I mean, I suppose. If he'd said to me the splash, of course yeah. you figure in figure out what it is, but a splash and a gutter and all these things, yeah. I'd never heard that terminology yeah. no, before. No, I, I, I remember, and, and fun, fun, they didn't teach me that in in Europe. So I did four years of, uh, of journalism and then a master's in journalism, and I when I came in the first day, I didn't know any of those terms, you know. And I remember going, "Oh, what does that mean?" Like things like you know, stand, what's the difference between a stand first and a subdeck and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. But but the way that you've done it with the little kind of uh, almost like a dictionary, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of type font and, yeah. and they come up to show people and, and it's a really kind of nice way of, of of telling that I think. I think every industry has has its own private language obviously yeah. but a newspaper behind the scenes of a newspaper is interesting because I think people think they know what it takes to put yeah. together a newspaper but they don't mm. realistically Yeah. What was the so you were, you were obviously here for, for, for ages and there must be <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of hours of footage which is on the cutting floor uh, what, was, what was the hardest thing to cut? Oh god Callum, I'm not sure you should ask me that that's a hard one <laughs> um, <laughs> Or was there anything that you wish you could have got in Yeah you, I mean we, we filmed with David Pratt your foreign correspondent and I'm afraid ah, okay. that I didn't make it into the cut and I am devastated about that there's reasons, I mean the, the main challenge in the editing was the chronology you, mm. can't, you simply cannot put something out of chronological no, no. order, there was a couple of sequences that you know they were like more like a portrait of a journalist, and it didn't matter when it was. Yeah. So we were able to be a bit more fluid with mm. here is a guy. Yeah, some, this of, the, is some of the interviews are we're taking. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But if you start a story, it absolutely has to be. In, you know, there were yeah. certain things only would fit into episode one. So actually, we had a wealth of stuff that could have gone into episode two because I think by that stage, three months in, everybody had got used to us yeah. being there, and uh-huh. we got a lot out a lot more. Whereas in episode one, it, it was a bit more challenging. So there was there was oh god, where do I begin and end? The stuff you leave in the cutting room floor follows yeah. you around for a long the, time. I, I suppose David, the, the, the BBC Scotland are doing a, a documentary they on, are, on David I Pratt so, that's right. as yeah. well, and just him and himself and maybe the exhibition because I was at the opening of that. And there, mm-hmm. were, there were cameras down there with that, so yeah. so maybe there was there was a wee bit of overlap there as well. Yeah. I mean, the main reason was as well we were hoping to get abroad with David, and unfortunately that just yeah. the t- it was timing; it just exactly. didn't happen. You know, if you so. can go to Afghanistan with him, then yeah, we know, almost that, that went to Ukraine and, and, and then it fell through. Yeah. So that was yeah, yeah and that's yeah, just exactly. ends the breaks. Um, so, what about your your favourite moment is in the in the show? I mean, for me, Ooh. I think. Um, <laughs> You know, I, th- I think the bit where the national front page goes viral is is great for us because it really kind of showcases the paper and its creativity and all that kind of stuff. But I also love uh, Richard Walker's colourful swearing. I, think I, I was going to say fantastic. Richard Walker's colourful swearing, and yeah. I didn't know if I could say it no, on your no, podcast. Okay. Well, I don't think you can say the words. Okay, um, but, a conglomeration like, of something. Yeah, yeah, mm, exactly. I think the four four uh, I counted last time. Swears. Four, 
and each of them is, is kind of special in their own way, I think. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, it wouldn't be a newsroom without without kind of that sort of language because that stuff yeah. does happen. And there's yeah. a period where the system goes down, um, which is you know an, a, not Classic. an uncommon occurrence. Uh, I think in newspapers, I think journalists across the country will be watching that, going, "Oh, yeah." Yeah. Um, but for me, yeah, his his kind of swearing brings a lot to it. Is there anything else that you... Well, I think Richard was always a character who was going to loom large and he mm. was very, very generous with us with his time from the off. Yeah. And, and he just was himself. And yeah. other people took a bit longer to get used to us, but he didn't. Um, well, I mean, you, you know, you mentioned the Theresa May front page, actually, as in terms of fi- pure filmmaking, yeah. that was brilliant for us because... It wasn't clear what was going to happen. We went with Kirsty out yeah. into the rain, the photographer, mm-hmm. and we were soaked to the skin that night, but it was clear that something was going to happen with that story, but we just didn't know what. Mm-hmm. I, our, our camera was so wet, we weren't able to come back to the newsroom, which is a bit of sleight of hand. You probably don't notice that as a viewer. No, no, no. But, but I, I literally was yeah. soaked to the skin, having been out for hours. And then in the background, you came up with this amazing front uh-huh. page, but it was it was tomorrow's story, and then all the newspapers picked all the yeah. everybody picked up on it. So it, the, you know. you've got the Sky newspaper review where the, yeah. the you know the, the English kind of top English journalists are talking about it. But yeah, you don't you don't see that moment where we actually kind of think of it, do you? But, but you I don't, don't think need it needs to. It. You, don't you don't need, need it. to. No, but, but crucially, we were uh-huh. here. In the, so we did get both sides of it in that we were in the newsroom uh-huh. when you made the decision about what to do about it. You know? I, I think I remember you calling it uh, on that night and saying. Uh, what are you doing with the front or something I, mm-hmm, I can't remember mm-hmm. and then at that point I said oh I've no idea and quite often um, you'll, you'll know it was half eight nine and the front page was still blank on the mm. national uh, which can't have been good for you because I think you were hanging around quite a lot of nights just for my front page and Unfortunately, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of anything yet. That is something I should sort of clipe on you about because actually, <laughs> in some ways, it's it is it's just very interesting that I would kind of go between the Herald and the National, and we yeah. we realised very quickly that we needed to do at least two papers yeah. because it gave us something to intercut. But you would constantly come over to you and say, "What's in the front?" and you'd say, "Don't know yet, don't know yet, don't know yet." And you go, okay, that's fine. But in a way, that was part of the story, was the fact that you left it so late and, it, yeah. and then massively, impressively, you went and it's came just, up with a front you, page. You just, it's that thing of, of time pressure, isn't it? It just yeah. absolutely focuses the mind. And you think, right, yeah. I actually have to make a decision on this. And up until that point, you've got four or five different ways that you can do the front page. You know, you might go on at whatever the SP guy says, you might go on, you know, May's you know, stupidity, you might go on the labour line. And, and at that point, you're just thinking, well, what is. I suppose what I try and do is I, th- I think I think about social media and I think what are people talking about in social media and how can our front page sort of drop into social media and be kind of swept away on what's already happening, if you yeah. know what I mean. Um, so sometimes it's, it's kind of, it's, I suppose it's kind of hard to judge like where it is. But sorry about that because I did keep you late a, <laughs> okay. a, a lot during those months. Um, we should talk about um, the some of the insight that you have into some of the more difficult conversations in the newsroom. The, this is mostly in the second episode, which I think is on the 25th, um, but there, there, there has, there's, a, there's access to conversations that I don't think uh, I, I've certainly seen the public ever have access to uh, in terms of making savings, in terms of making cuts, mm-hmm. uh, conversations about redundancies. Were you surprised at, at the level of access that you got to those conversations? Um, I think in the moment you... Not necessarily. I I think I expected it, and 
I wouldn't have felt the documentary was authentic without them. Mm. Um, and that was the com- those were the conversations I had with Donald. Donald Martin, your ed- the editor in chief. I mean, I think you know Donald was incredibly open with us, and and was from the beginning. Um, I would have struggled if we had not been able to represent that because you know I I don't want to see someone be made redundant in the six months that I'm here. You couldn't have predicted that that would happen. Mm. But everybody says, yes, that is the reality, unfortunately, of mm. newsrooms. I mean, and you read it, you know, have Press Gazette alerts that come onto my mm. Twitter feed. And every day a different newspaper either goes digital solely or they're cutting huge amounts of jobs. And, you know, while we were here, BuzzFeed cut huge amounts of journalist jobs. It's not just newspapers. You know, there's a lot of protection around a version of events nowadays and mm-hmm. I think the public actually probably appreciate honesty a bit more than mm-hmm. than being given a corporate version of events so mm-hmm. I you know I don't know how it'll how people will feel about it but yeah. I think I think everybody gains from a bit more honesty how how did you feel sitting in those rooms it could be difficult sometimes. Um, I mean, we often there was a bit of negotiation. We always left a bit of privacy at the end. We always said we appreciate there will be things you need to talk about when we can't be here. So and there we were some leave. people who, who didn't want to appear at all in the documentary right. and who are kind of missing. Very few, but mm. there were a few and we absolutely always respected that from the beginning. Mm. You, it was made very clear that nobody would be filmed if they didn't want to be. And so, you know, you either don't film anything they're involved in or you just frame them out. It's pretty straightforward. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's on a case-by-case basis. Sometimes somebody would say, I don't want to be filmed today and that's okay, you know, I'm tired and my hair's a mess or whatever that is, but that's that was pretty rare. So, and that's sort of the focus of the second subject, isn't it? So the second episode, second sorry, second episode is is called "Buying Out," which is the uh, I suppose it's a kind of ritual where where people bang on their desks as somebody leaves the newsroom for the for the last time, whether they're leaving for for whatever reason. Um, when did you kind of? And, and the first one we should say is "off stone," which was that term for uh, when the paper goes to press. Yeah. When did you come? When did you realise that, that 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 was going to be the two titles and the two focuses of the episode? Um, well, I suppose the titles. It came to me fairly quickly mm. that the jargon was going to be something interesting, as yeah. I've said right from the off. I, that was unfamiliar to me, so I thought that's unfamiliar to an audience. And off stone, I just loved that moment. That the idea that there was a moment mm. that you just had to stop, mm. and that was it. Nothing else could change. Um, and with banging out, I had never heard of it. So mm. on Boxing Day we were filming, didn't make the cut unfortunately, but um, uh, news editor Colin McNeil yeah. left on, on Boxing Day and we were, we were filming Colin leaving and all of a sudden everybody started <laughs> and we looked at each other as if, I had no idea what was going on, I kept filming as you do because yeah. you're just, you know, figuring it out um, and then eventually Chick, one of the other news editors, he explained to us what it was and right away I thought, okay, that's, that is something interesting, but of course I didn't then know that that would be something that could be and so I didn't know what the until I knew what the end of our story was I guess it was obvious that those were the two things and there was a point at which it was maybe going to be a third episode as well so that you know that it was all a bit up in the air until we were into well, the that's edit. interesting so what would the what would the what would the plan have been for the, for um, the three then oh god what did, when I finished here I actually was so sure that I sh- that there was a potential for three but actually that came down to budget and, and right, the BBC okay. just didn't have money left that ye- this year and it was uh-huh. and scheduling as well I think it's uh-huh. quite difficult to find it was really important that this went out around now because I didn't want politics I, to move on do you know what I was going to I was going to ask about that because what would a, what would an election do to it oh gosh um, I mean I don't, I don't know if it's 
if for sure it would mm. it would kind of mm. mean that it would have to get bumped. But the, the, obviously, I should explain there are all sorts of rules in place before an election for broadcasters, yeah. so you can't. Uh, produce anything political and this is arguably political but I'm not, not mm. sure that it would fall under those rules but there might be a case could be made for it yeah well thankfully thankfully that ship sailed but yeah. it was a worry it was a worry for yeah. me briefly um, because there are politicians simply there are politicians in the programmes who could be candidates and yeah. that immediately you know Ofcom's rules are very strict about how all broadcasters mm. um, portray any politicians it's not obviously it's not electioneering so we might have gotten under the radar but anyway we're in the schedules yeah. now they can't so they can't have Ian an election Blackford, uh, David Mundell has quite a funny cameo Ian um, Blackford, David Mundell. David Mundell seems to uh, love playing up to the cameras. I think it was quite a fun conversation, yeah, actually. Mary Black's in there as she well. Is, that's right um, in this very room. In this very room, there's a conversation with Joanna Cherry at some point. Yeah, I she's on the phone to Richard. Is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else there yeah. is. Oh, um, oh, oh, there's that Irish senator actually at the <laughs> SNP conference. But yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose if I had one slight criticism, and I think we've we've spoken about this before. Um, was that maybe the, the the sort of story of the national in the in the second episode isn't really um, as present as it was in the first? And I think, I mean, I thought you'll probably have have an answer for this, but to me, it felt like in 2019 so far we are, I think, the only newspaper in the UK which is actually increasing its print sales. So we're something like two percent up on on 2018. Our traffic's flying, our subscriptions are growing, and maybe that doesn't really fit into the narrative of kind of downsizing declining industry is that is that did you feel that that was there or did you think it, it, it sort of well what were your it, thoughts on it that? certainly that wasn't a, a motivation and i sort of until you picked up on that it, it hadn't genuinely hadn't occurred to me but there are a number of reasons for that um one is we had to not we had to but i wanted to include the evening times so hmm. national had its moment very strongly in in it one yeah it was great that there was a couple of really strong evening times because there's three papers in this room we've hmm. got to have some reason to keep them all in there um so that was a you know, that takes up significant amount of airtime being honest about the circulation unfortunately the, the story of circulation is it's going down now i am massively impressed that yours is going up but it's tiny and at the end of the day you you started from a low base and have have grown and it is enormously mm. impressive but in a in a global industry way from the um, wider context of of the industry yes exactly i mean it, you know it's not undermining your achievements mm-hmm. but your your numbers are small, and that's the, the in a way that's the story. Is you you sell six or seven thousand papers? Where had you launched mm-hmm. forty years ago? You yeah. you might be selling even more than you are now, but mm. it's just where papers are. And mm. I you know you've come up with a model that works, and you're managing to keep going up. And good good on you. I hope that carries on. And I, you know I'd love to see all the papers selling more. I'm sure we all would. Did you, uh, did you? So, so it's going out on BBC One Scotland mm-hmm. um, Wednesday the eighteenth at nine. Uh, did you try and get it on the network as well? Not yet. Um, that's kind of above my pay grade, but right, okay. there is a sort a system where that can happen. It usually happens after it's been ah, on it? okay. BBC Scotland it's the first time. It's a universal story, isn't it? And the, and the Brexit thing is obviously relevant to to all kind of UK audiences. But the the story of print and the story of newspapers is one that appeals across the UK. You know, NewsQuest itself has 200 titles or something, um, all of which going through kind of similar challenges. So it seems to me like it might be a nice fit for... 
Well, I'd, ah, you know, very, feel free yeah. to speak to the network for me. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Um, so, I suppose you could kind of finishing up. Are you are you proud of it? Or what's your sort of what's your kind of one sentence take? on the documentary I hope it makes its mark I hope people watch it and uh, feel that they've learned something I, at this point after you've been through a three month edit it's really hard to be objective <laughs> but I hope you know I think we achieved what we set out to do but we you know you set out with a very open agenda and you never know what you're going to learn but we definitely learned something and I hope we can pass that on to the audience Okay, well, thank you very much for coming in. Um, And you've been much missed around the newsroom. (laughs) I doubt that. uh, Particularly (laughs) on these kind of crazy Brexit nights. Um, uh, Well, we could come back, you know, if there's an election. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Cal.